Well, I don't know if you've opened up any of your Christmas gifts yet, but we received one last night with the music and the service, and, uh, and I really appreciated the way it was put together, and, uh, and this morning too. So I don't know if you have opened, but if you have, did you receive anything you wanted? Okay, what? <laughs> Nobody wants to say. A what? Oh, come on. Coming up for hamburgers. Blackstone. I don't know. You can call out your gift, but I don't think anybody's gift's going to top what Archie and Lisa Jackson got for Christmas, and that's a grandchild. <laughs> it was awesome uh, asking Archie, so what's it like? What's it like? And then him turning away because he couldn't even talk. I might embarrass him, but it's just true. You can't really express what it is to have a child, uh, to have a grandchild. A baby makes all the difference, doesn't it? all the difference. Uh, If you've been going through our Advent calendar, let me just be frank, I haven't gone through all of it, but I know that today uh, some of you families have been going through with your children. It was given to you by our children's ministry. Um, And and Advent calendar is this. It's it's a way that you can anticipate Christmas coming properly. You're looking for the coming of Christ. And to be frank with you, I, I didn't know much about Advent calendars growing up. I knew a little bit about them. When I came to Hibernia, someone asked me, Pastor, why didn't you light the Advent candle? Some of you are laughing because you know that I didn't know what an Advent candle was. And you would be like, well, you went to Bible college and seminary. Didn't they teach you about that there? No. No, I actually had to go to someone's house and say, hey, tell me about the Advent and how you grew up doing that. And liturgical churches certainly had those times where they are looking forward to the coming of Christ and the Christmas Sunday. Some of you grew up that way. If you grew up that way, raise your hand. If you grew up with an Advent candle and Advent in church... um, celebrating the coming of Christ. But it's really an anticipation of the coming of Christ. If you looked at our Advent calendar and the worship we gave you guys, today you're encouraged. And if you haven't looked at it, this might be something you might want to do. You're encouraged to read the Christmas story with your family at some point, noting this. This is very important to note. Noting that everyone that was touched by Christmas, that very first Christmas with Christ, the baby coming, had their lives changed in some way. Isn't that wonderful? God sent His Son to change lives. So we're encouraged by our uh, Advent calendar, our worship calendar, and guide as families to talk about how we have seen our lives changed or others changed this year. And here's what I want to say to you as we get into this message for a few moments. Jesus came to change your life. And if you have not been saved today, on Christmas Day, 2022, your life can be changed. When you think about Christmas, you know, a lot of people missed that first Christmas, didn't they? I mean, you think about how when Jesus came, not everyone was looking for the coming of Christ. Like, we have been anticipating this day, looking forward to this Advent or this time that we celebrate that Jesus came. Advent just means coming. Uh, There was the innkeeper, of course. We know he was very industrious. He didn't have time or maybe make room for Jesus in the home, which he had. Uh, you had the religious leaders, and you would think that if anybody would anticipate Jesus' coming, it would be religious leaders. They knew the Bible, they knew the Old Testament, they knew the prophecies, they knew the timing, uh, but they were certainly indifferent to the coming of Christ. And, and then you had the political leaders, and they were not only indifferent, they were way beyond that, they were incensed that there would be someone named the King of the Jews coming into this world, and that they wanted to get rid of him. 
And I don't want any of us to miss Christ, miss Christ today. And that's why you're here. Grateful that you're here. Isn't it good to be in church on the Lord's Day on Christmas? Man. And I'm glad that you're here and you're focused on Christ. And, uh, and some of you are online looking with your family today, worshiping. But we're focused on Christ because He did come. There was an advent. Luke lays it out in history. This is not a myth. This is not something that we just celebrate each Christmas. I think about all these shows that come on and all this that happens during Christmas. And I wonder what people think that may not know Jesus Christ about what He did when He came. He changed history. He changed B.C. to A.D. And here we have today in history, the coming of Christ. But I want you not also to miss the fact that he's coming again. Jesus came, and he's coming again. Christ's coming is sure. Let me tell you some reasons why Christ's coming, the second advent, the second coming of Christ, is absolute. Number one, Scripture demands it. You say, what does that mean? Well, I believe Scripture to be authoritative. I believe it to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. I believe it to be from God. Uh, we didn't receive this book, this Bible, the 66 books, as a matter of fact, from uh, an angel and a man in a cave writing like others have claimed their religious books have come or uh, are, are from some other mythical way. Men who were moved along by the Holy Spirit over hundreds of years wrote this Scripture. And it's authoritative. And Scripture demands that Jesus come back. All the way back in the book of Genesis. Genesis is what book in the Bible, y'all? first book. In the very first book of the Bible, this prophecy, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff between the feet until tribute comes to him. The line of the tribe of Judah is Jesus, and the prophecy was made way back in the very first book of the Bible that the scepter of rule, everlasting reign, would be in the, land, uh, in the lion's hand, the lion of Judah, and, and it would last forever. 2 Samuel, uh, you have this prophecy about the house of David. It will be sure before me forever, says the Lord, and your throne, David, I will establish forevermore. So you have all the way back in the Old Testament this prophecy that whoever would reign on the throne of David finally would reign forever, finally and forever. Uh, Isaiah 9, uh, this is a passage that's familiar to a lot of you, especially at Christmas, of the increase of his government, whose government? Well, the Messiah's. Of the increase of the Messiah's government and the peace of that throne, there will be no end. Wonderful. Aren't you grateful that one day there will be peace and there will be no end? Of the throne of David and his kingdom, I will establish uphold it with justice and righteousness from this day forth and forevermore. How will this happen? Isaiah says, here's how. The zeal of the Lord will do this. I was thinking about that passage this morning. I was thinking about zealousness. If you have young children in your home, they are zealous for Christmas. Right? That's an easy illustration. They can't go to sleep, and uh, they get up early. And you, have to, you really have to coax them to stay in bed. The zeal of a child. I can remember three in the morning, the zeal of a child saying, Daddy, get out of bed. And that was great because we had just been to bed at two. <laughs> uh, because some of these toys take forever to put together. Good gracious. Well, 
as zealous as we are about things, God is zealous. He's zealous. Think about that. God is zealous. And he's zealous to complete what he said in Scripture would be completed. That he will establish his kingdom. And that his Messiah will reign forever. Daniel chapter 7 verse 14. And to him that is the Messiah was given dominion and glory and a kingdom and peoples and nations and language to serve him. And of his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not go away. And his kingdom will be one that will not be destroyed. Scripture demands that Jesus Christ comes again. Scripture demands a second advent. Christ predicted it. When we take the communion supper, we're taking a communion that reminds us that Jesus said, I'm going to take it with you, this communion, in the kingdom. He's coming. He is coming back. Over and over, he told the disciples about how he's going to do it. Jesus said, I'm coming again. Christ has to come back. Scripture demands it. Christ predicted it. The Spirit prays for it. Do you know right now the Holy Spirit is praying? And what is he praying? Well, here's one prayer that the Spirit is praying. Revelation 22. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Do you know the Spirit's praying? Lord Jesus, come. Do you think that the Holy Spirit's prayers are ever answered? No, I think they're always answered. And that prayer will be answered. The bride anticipates it. We're the bride of Christ. We're also praying, come. Titus chapter 2 verse 13 says, looking for the blessed hope of our glorious appearing of the great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Blessed are they who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's us. We're the church. We're anticipating the advent, the second coming of Christ. Israel was promised it in Acts 1, 6. Therefore, when the Lord had gathered together, they asked him, the disciples said, Lord, are you going to establish your kingdom of Israel now? No, not now. But the promise to Israel is intact. And ethnic Israel will see the promises made to them fulfilled. Creation groans for it. Uh, Creation groans for it. Aren't you grateful for global warming? For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. New heaven and new earth is coming. You say, Scott, you don't believe in global warming? Yeah, I believe in global warming. I believe in global cooling. I believe in all these things that we cannot control. We believe that this world is under a curse, and it is groaning constantly, and we see it, whether it is a, it is a cyclone, bomb, or whatever this was, winter storm was called up north, or the hurricanes that we face, or the earthquake, or the mudslides, or on and on it goes. This creation is sending out the signals that it is groaning for its recreation, whether it is in sickness and illness and disease, it is saying it needs to be remade. Creation groans for it. Satan deserves it. Satan deserves it. Christ is coming because Satan deserves to be judged. Jesus said he's going to take all of those who are standing before him in judgment on the left hand and on the right hand. He's going to say, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire that is prepared for the devil and his angels. In Revelation 20 and verse 10, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever. The devil, Satan, deserves the coming of Christ, the second advent, so he could be judged. The Lord Jesus Christ will be exalted when he comes back. In Philippians 2, you have this hymn that was written, have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who... Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality to be with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. And by taking the form of a servant, and boy, this is the Christmas story, was born in the likeness of men. 
And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Christ has to come back. He deserves that type of exaltation. The Bible encourages us then to live anticipation. We have lived in anticipation of this Christmas day, however that looked for you, getting things ready, getting the house decorated, getting food baked and cooked, getting presents wrapped, uh, having, having your mind set towards Christmas, however that looked for you, you were anticipating this day. Therefore, the believer should be even a greater anticipation for that day when Jesus Christ comes again, the second advent. The Bible encourages us to live in anticipation, to be prepared for Christ's coming, um, it's wonderful. I, I mean, I've seen some of our college students that have come home, and I've talked to some of our college students that have just graduated this semester. Some are getting close to graduation, and, and some are kind of still thinking about what are they doing at college. And I asked them, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" I'm, and I, and I was in a room full of college students that were um, overachievers, engineers, doctors, and I thought, "I'm the dumbest guy in this room." These kids are amazing, and they're going to school and doing what? They're preparing for their future. Christians, in light of the fact that Jesus Christ came and is coming again, we have to as well prepare for our future. He's coming back. In 2 Peter, Peter put it this way, this is now the second letter I'm writing to you, beloved, and both of them stirring you up in sincere mind a way of reminder that you Remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord Savior through your apostles, knowing first that scoffers are going to come and they're going to say in the last days, where is the promise of his coming? But don't overlook this, beloved. One day is as a thousand days with the Lord, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief and the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the, all that works in them are done and exposed. Since this is going to happen, since those things will be dissolved, Peter asked, what sort of people should you be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting and hastening for the coming of the Lord God, of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to this promise, we are waiting for the new heaven and new earth in righteousness, where it dwells forever. In other words, what does Peter ask? In light of the fact that all of these things are coming, Jesus said he's coming back, he's going to recre recreate this world, this entire universe. What type of people should we be? What type of person should I be if I'm anticipating the second coming of Christ? It should really affect us on a daily basis. And why, knowing that he's coming back, we can recognize a couple of things, that there are kingdom principles that will be brought into place when Jesus comes that should be active in our lives right now. To begin with, we can present people with the power of the kingdom. Last night, we talked about the fact that Jesus came into a dark world. He came into a dark world and shed light. But he also came into a dying world to give life. In Matthew 4, when Jesus began his ministry and then light shined in darkness, he began to preach to people who, Matthew 24 says, were 
full of sicknesses, afflicted with diseases and pains and oppressed by demons, having seizures and paralytics, have healed them, and then great crowds. All types of people followed him. That's exactly what Jesus came for. He came for all types of people. But in that passage, we see that kingdom power came through Jesus Christ. Don't ever think that Jesus was a created being. He came in carnate, God in flesh, God the deity. And how do we know that? Look at the power he had. When he began his ministry, he shed light on darkness, but he came to the dying people around in Galilee. Here they were, all of them oppressed. That is the key word in Matthew for oppressed, oppressed, oppressed. Oppressed by what? Powers. Pushed down, pressed down, stomped down by powers. Tyrants. Corrupt governments. Difficult people. Never could get ahead. Jesus came to overcome oppressive powers. Also, oppressive spirits. These people were demonized. They were possessed. They were, uh, they were afflicted. They, they, they were constantly attacked by evil spirits. And Jesus came and set them free from the oppressive spirits. When he came on the scene, he not only came to a dying group of people who were under oppression of governments and of demon and principalities and powers of the air, also people that were in pain. There are all types of pains, emotional pain, spiritual pain, physical pain, literally sick people were being healed by Jesus. Powerful. This is what the kingdom's about. It's about ultimate healing. It's about when we are set free from all oppressive powers, all the spirits that attack us, all the difficulties of life. He even says that um, Jesus was setting people free from oppressive thoughts, 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 thoughts. What are you thinking about right now? We can't even hardly control our mind, can we? In this passage, we see that there were people who were having seizures. It literally means that they were people that were, um, the word we would sometimes translate lunatic, but it comes from the, the, the word luna, meaning moon, and the word moonstruck, moonstruck comes to light. That, that's how some Hebrews actually uh, highlight this as this being people that came and were, they were insane. They weren't mentally well. The power of the kingdom is not only able to heal people of their physical pain, but of their mental distress. Hey, y'all, do we live in a world that is in need of the hope of the kingdom? Are people not stressed out? Do they not need the message of the coming of Christ, who is powerful to save, powerful to change lives, to change lives even to the point of changing our thought patterns, of healing our mental distress? Only God can do this. Only God can do this. This is why in light of the coming, we are to represent Christ. Jesus said, you are salt and light of the earth. We are salt and light. We're light in this world. And the light is not to be hidden, not to be put under a basket, but on a stand. Paul says this, first of all, in this world, we ought to pray always for intercessions and thanksgiving for all people, even for the kings. And that's what we do on Wednesday nights. We come, we pray for our government leaders. Galatians 6 says, don't be weary in well-doing, guys. Don't be really well-doing. In due season, we will reap if we don't give up. Jeremiah, the prophet, when he was with his people in exile, 
told them to do this. In a wicked place, in Babylon, in our place, it's not our homeland where we're just pilgriming through. We're going to leave here one day and go back home. We are to make this place better. We're to build houses, plant gardens. We're to live for the welfare of the city. As Christians, in light of the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back, we should, in fact, then live for the welfare of those around us. And the greatest welfare of all is the message of the kingdom that sets people free from their sin, sets them free from hell, sets them free to live for Christ, sets them free from the difficulties of the oppression they are facing from wicked forces so that they might indeed be saved. Hey, y'all, Christ is coming soon. Peter said then, therefore, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. This day is a special day, and I hope that you are able to steal away some time, if you haven't already, with your family to read the Christmas story. To reflect on the fact that Jesus Christ came at a point in history 2,000 years ago and changed everything. And have a moment to talk about how he's changed your life. Has he? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Have you been changed by Jesus' coming? Has he come into you? Have you invited him into your heart and life? If not today, would you be saved? Would you celebrate that too with your family today? If in fact you have been saved or if today you got saved? And would you and I, this today, as we think about the first coming of Christ, think about the fact he's coming again. And I believe very soon, y'all. So let's be serious and watchful in our prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity we've had to study your word, to be here today, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you for this time of worship on this Christmas day. In Jesus' name, amen.